Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, here we are. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast for this behind-the-camera interview with award-winning editor Russell Harden III. Now, Russell has over, well, two or three decades, I think, experience in the film industry, including all the Pierce Brosnan Bond films, uh, doing the trailers for them, editing the trailers for them, from Goldeneye to Die Another Day. Now, you can watch all our other interviews on our YouTube channel, and you can listen to them on iTunes and Spotify. We're on social media. The usual Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us on those and uh, get involved with the chat. I have to give uh, a big shout out tonight to perhaps the biggest Pierce Brosnan Bond fan in the world, Mr. Lorenzo Granger. And I know he'll uh, appreciate that. So, yes, Russell, his, uh, his showreel is quite incredible. He's edited countless trailers, TV, TV spots, features, video games, um, and films. So I'm sure we'll only scratch the surface of his uh, huge body of work. But good afternoon, Russell. Great to see you all the way from L.A. Great seeing you, Tom, as well. It is quite a long distance from L.A., isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, hey, uh, listen, listen to you rattle off my my years of, a quote, experience. I'm going, wow, I've been doing it that long? <laughs> yeah. Well, how, and how long is it? Still, and I'm still working. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> it is. It is. And that that's something that people are very, you know, quick to say that, you, you can't have anything for granted in the industry. You know, it's it's a tough place. And the people we speak to are so grateful that being involved in the Bond world is a massive boost to the CV, surely. Exactly. No, I mean, there's something very, very special about James Bond. I don't need to tell you that. And I, I am just, I am thrilled and honored to basically say that, you know, in, in some small way, I was kind of part of that Bond family for the duration of those, uh, those Pierce Brosnan Bond films. Yeah, and beyond. And we'll, we'll get onto that. But just to, to go over your career beginnings, you say, I think is it on your website, you say that getting hold of your grandma's Super 8 camera, that was how you, you got involved in filmmaking. 
Absolutely. I, I don't remember how. I mean, my, my dad was a photographer in the, uh, the U.S. Navy. And, uh, you know, we had a, a dark room built in the basement. And then, you know, one day I decided that, you know, I saw my grandmother shooting with her camera. I'm like, and, you know, shooting typical home movies. But there was always a fascination with just kind of creating stories for me. So I, I picked up the camera and kind of, you know, I can't remember what my first quote film was, but it was more like a like a mystery story, I think. And we I got two of my friends and we went out in the backyard and kind of shot people, you know, hiding behind things and chasing each other. And that kind of morphed into, you know, I had a fascination at that time with the animation. So I figured out how to do still frames, click off still frames on the camera. And that's kind of what what got me started in, in I guess, narrative, you know, filmmaking in a very, very young age. <laughs> And how did that sort of go on to editing specifically? Well, interesting you bring that up, Tom, because I was actually in film school, uh, a graduate from Ithaca College in upstate New York in here in the States. And I was originally going to be a cinema or wanted to be a cinematographer because of my photography background. I love camera. I love lighting. Yet at the same time, I was also editing, and this is back in the day, this is before nonlinear. So we're editing on film, 16 millimeter film. I was editing all of my friends' films as well, as, you know, and helping them shoot and light and what have you. And my professors, at for whatever reason, decided I was a better editor at that time than a cinematographer. <laughs> so oh. we got, I was kind of steered in that yeah. way. Um, so I guess that's kind of how I, I, I fell into it. And then basically, I'll make a very, very long convoluted story short. But uh, there was an alumni who had graduated from the, the Ithaca College back in the 70s. And I had ended up entering the American Cinema Editors, the ACE uh, student competition. And this was, I think, in my junior year of film school. Ended up, and I'll never forget this too, because they sent us 60 millimeter dailies of a scene from this television show, which you probably are aware of, called Dynasty. Not the new one. The old one. Yeah, the old one. Yeah. With Joan Collins. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got to cut a scene from Dynasty. We, we did a quickie mix on it, sent out the separate track and, and the soundtrack and picture and was ended up being nominated for the award and flew out to L.A. and did not win for the student competition, flew back to good old uh, Ithaca. The next week, I received a letter from this alumni saying, I saw your I had no idea they did this. They wrote up all the student uh, nominees in Hollywood Reporter. And this alumni read my name, saw where I was from, said, you know, congratulations on your nomination. And, and, and you know, it's always great to hear that Ithaca College is still putting out amazing talent. P.S. If you're looking for a job, just call me. Right. OK, <laughs> So I'm like, OK, now this is my junior year. So I obviously I immediately got in touch with them. I said, can you hold off for another year until I graduate? You know, how soon do you need people? And basically, uh, I flew out to Hollywood my spring break, my senior year. Did an interview with him, uh, with my roommate. Actually, she had another uh, uh, opportunity at Walt Disney and flew back before graduation with guaranteed employment after graduation, where I was almost lynched by my fellow classmates. <laughs> yeah, but, I, had, I had a job set up the minute I stepped foot out of the school. So I'm like, okay. And interesting that this company, I my first job was at was a trailer company. It was a motion picture advertising company doing work for MGM, Orion Pictures at the time. 
And the first one, the first project I ended up working on was RoboCop 2, followed up by another smaller film. You might have heard of it called Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I, didn't I, did, well that, no. I didn't cut the trailers for those. I was an assistant editor at the time and a post-production supervisor. So I figured, okay, this is my foot in the door. You don't, you don't miss an opportunity to get yeah. your foot in the door in Hollywood. And I figured, okay, trailers, it, this will get me in and then I'll just make an easy transition because what I really wanted to do was features and television. That's what I intended to do in editing because I love that narrative editing. So uh, here I'm out of this trailer company thinking I'm going to make this wonderful switch to, you know, long form uh, televisions and features. And that's one big fence. You just cannot jump. It's very hard. <laughs> it right. is so hard because you end up making all these connections and networking in the world of motion picture advertising. And I will say throughout my career, I was able to successfully do, you know, uh, a couple features, few features actually. Uh, they usually show up at three in the morning on HBO. <laughs> and then I did music videos and, and other, you know, short subjects, what have you. But I found out as I stayed in this business, going from this company, then to Universal, and ultimately the contacts I made at my first job while I was working with MGM made me available to eventually go and work at MGM uh, in their in-house department. I realized that, okay, advertising it you're always working you always have a variety of projects always you know with a feature you're on a feature for six eight maybe you know 12 months and the other great thing about advertising is it pays and pays really well yes got to be a consideration so i decided maybe i'll just stay on this side of the fence (laughs) oh well you've done pretty well at it but (laughs) the rest is history well thank you yeah how have things changed over the years because like from the super eight right now is it all on the computer isn't it really from a technology standpoint, yeah, it, is, yeah. it, it is not only, yes. I mean, again, the first job I had as an assistant, like I said, we were still cutting on 35 millimeter film. Not only the amount of changes I've seen in the last 30 years and the, the technological changes in the last 10 years have been, even probably five years have been incredible. Yeah. So it's all nonlinear. We started, I started on Avid Media Composer back when it was this new thing in the late, I think it was developed in like 89, 90. I got on Avid in 91, 92, right when it was coming out. And I don't know if you know that much about nonlinear editing or these edit systems, Tom, but basically that was so early in the in the get-go that you literally had to render everything and you do an edit and do a dissolve and wait like five minutes, then you can yeah. watch, maybe if you're lucky. And now it's all real time with the processing speeds the computers have now. I'm on Adobe uh, Premiere Pro now. And, uh, but I went through the final cut years. I went through, you know, you give me a nonlinear editing system, I can work on it. And it's just, it, it frees you up so wonderfully creatively because you can, you don't have to, you know, you actually have to, I find myself having to slow myself down to think, you know, a lot of editors, particularly the young ones coming up, uh, you know, they're just, they just, all these ideas, which is wonderful, but you need to, you need to step back and think about what you're doing. You need to step back and think about your storytelling. And, and that's something that nonlinear is a great thing for and a horrible thing for because you can make multiple versions of what you're doing. And it gets to the point where, okay, we'll duplicate this sequence and change this, duplicate, change this, try this different music. And by the time you're done, you've got 40 different sequences in your, in your Premiere Pro bin. And you're thinking, where did I start? What am I doing? <laughs> what was the good one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I find, I find actually, it, you know, my gut instinct, and it's taken all these years to finally figure this out, I always ended up going back to my first or second cut. It just instinctually, like that was always the best one or accomplished what I needed to accomplish storytelling-wise. Wow, yeah. 
Um, well, with Bond, you know, John Glenn is our, one of our favourite directors ever. Oh, of course. And it's the editing background. It's that storytelling, how things are going to look on this, you know, the final cut when I'm filming them. And all the <laughs> actors we spoke to as well said he had everything in his brain. He knew exactly what he wanted. And it's got to help, hasn't it? It, it is. You know, they say if you're going to be a director, editors make the best directors. And it's true because we have to we have to know everything. We know everything about story. We every, know everything about, obviously, lighting, sound, music, composition. I mean, just even acting to a certain point. At one point, I, I actually decided in my younger years, I should take an acting course just to see what the actors go through and, and how to get into their head and their space, even though all that matters is on the screen. But yeah, I, I totally agree that, you know, if you're going to aspire to be a director, Spend a number of years editing. It's going to help you immensely. Incredible. Because like you said, like, like John said, it's, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. Yeah. You see, in fact, I, just, I just finished directing a documentary when I had directed editing about 15 years. Uh, and I was I astounded myself going, you know, this, this turned because I knew exactly what I wanted. And so the crew I was working with, we just flew through this documentary in a weekend. And I'm like, wow, oh, I, I'm actually not bad at this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that being said, I have no aspirations to be a director. I have a lot of friends who are doing it. And trust me, you could not pay me enough money to do that job. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's pretty stressful, isn't it? And uh, managing Beyond people. Stuff. Yeah. Beyond stressful. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, going back to your early days. One of my first ones uh, was Robocop 2, then Silence of the Lambs. And then we, again, we worked mainly with Orion Pictures right. at the time. And I'm trying to, God, I'm trying to remember way back what I specifically worked on. Well, we go straight to the bomb then. How on earth did you get involved with that? Because we, we've spoken to uh, Star Parody and Jeff Fair. And uh, they were sort friends. of approached like it's like in an advertising sense, isn't it? It's more the PR department. It's not directly from like Eon Productions themselves. Exactly. No, correct. This this is where the fun begins. No, as I said, I had connections at MGM and I eventually ended up working in-house as a post-supervisor. Then this, I started at MGM when they were at in Culver City, not on the old lot, which at that time was Sony, but in the glass tower across the street. We ended up moving to a, such a glamorous office park in Santa Monica, California, and <laughs> set up shop there, put in editing suites, uh, I was while I was post supervising, I was editing, and then eventually was bumped up into full time uh, editor, and then eventually senior editor because I was in house, and MGM was mainly doing most of their campaigns in house. And we're talking, I was there during the times of not only Goldeneye, but I did the Get Shorty campaign. I worked on Species. Uh, I worked on Leaving Las Vegas. I, you know, so I, these were all done pretty much in-house. And so all of a sudden we get word and we had, this is obviously Gold and I had been years in the making, you know, yeah, there was a yeah. six or seven period lull where I'm not, we all know what happened then. I'm not going to go yeah. into it. And it was time to bring Bond back. And so there were, there was a lot of planning to come up with that wonderful special shoot where Pierce comes out and shoots the letters in, you know, and they come flying at us. And, you know, you talk about how technology has changed. I mean, I remember the company that did that, those graphics, RGBLA, I don't know if they're still in business or not, but talk about old school CGI. Yeah. So I got on the project by nature of being the in-house editor. And I kind of came into it a little bit later because I don't know if they were doing cuts over at, at Pinewood when they're cutting the movie or not, but it all started. And that's when I met my, some of my dearest friends now, Jeff and Star, Parody Fair. That's where I met them on this project while they were redoing the Bond thing. And it was just so exciting to, you know, being, you know, loving the Bond movies and then being able to finally work on one. And not only that, but to work on bringing Bond back because 
you know, we were actually working on something that we didn't know at the moment was going to change the way motion picture advertising was done and would continue to be done. That was, you know, looking back on it, we're like, you know, okay, yeah, this is like super, super groundbreaking. And so that's basically how I got involved in in the project. So excited. So what what sort of stuff are you given? Are you given the footage of Pierce and are you given the script? And then you've got to put it all together with the music as well, obviously. Right. Well, that's that's it, 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 with a normal, I shouldn't say normal, with a regular trailer or teaser. And I should also delineate too. We don't even call them teasers anymore. Technically, the Golden Eye teaser, which is you know this multi award winning you know yeah. piece of advertising, we don't even call them teasers anymore. They're like trailer one, trailer two, or trailer yeah. A, trailer B, etc. The I normally would get a script and start going through and structuring a trailer with this. Of course, we had a special shoot script, which is where Pierce comes out. You know, that, that's a graphic thing. He walks up and says, you know, you expecting someone else, which is one yeah. of the most brilliant, brilliant, simple lines oh, of writing so. I've ever encountered in trailer yeah. motion picture advertising. You were expecting someone else? So as you know or are familiar with the teaser, there is no script. I, it was just a matter of putting together images and yep. dialogue. And so we got a cut of the film, and this is interesting, I, I believe I'm correct in saying this, that Goldeneye was actually the last Bond film editorially to be cut on film. It was not cut non-linear, right. uh, to my knowledge, because I remember getting in three-quarter inch tapes that we had to digitize into the Avid system and just seeing, you know, splice marks at each cut. I'm like, okay, well, this is cut on film. This is, there's no way this is done non-linear. And at that, at that time, Avid was one of the only options unless you use this other uh, non-linear editing system called Light, uh, Lightworks, which is now, I think, gone. So we get the film in from uh, overseas, from Eon, digitize it. And then I was getting incarnations of Jeff and Star's music. So, you know, they're doing a lot of demos, trying to keep the rhythm, trying to establish a rhythm, and then orchestration would come later. So I started cutting, not with a simple click track, but with, with various demos from their, their music and just throwing, you know, shots in. And it, it got at one point kind of random because, again, I, I, I love my story background, but I'm like, we're not trying to tell a story here. So it's just, it's, it's all tantalizing. It's all like, Absolutely. you know, I, I always say there are three main components of any Bond advertising campaign. It's cars, sex, and explosions. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's what got me involved. Goodness <laughs> me. If you don't have those, you ain't got a Bond movie. Yeah. So I figured, you know, let's, let's go and obviously make sure we pepper all that in with, uh, and of course a good, a little bit of story uh, in when you're doing a, a longer length trailer is always good. So I just started throwing in uh, shots and to this music and let's, you know, throw in, I forgot which line it is. I should have watched it actually. It's like, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I forgot I forgot what the line is. It's like, you know, what that def that depends on your definition of safe sex. I mean, yes, that's yeah. from Pierce. I forgot I forgot the line that comes before it. Yeah, hang on. I'll, I'll remember it when I'm thinking properly. But just, you know, yeah, little yeah. punctuations of like, you know, little dialogue and then No, no, no. No more foreplay. No more foreplay. <laughs> that's what it was. Oh my goodness. I must have used the other line in the trailer. Again, it's it's been a long time and when you yeah. do so many parts <laughs> No more foreplay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here, of course. But no, basically, we just, I started throwing in these great shots. And, and the other cool thing about that trailer is we, one of the reasons it's kind of, it's groundbreaking is the fact that I developed this editing technique. Jeff and Starr told me later that whether I was doing it consciously or not, I'm pretty subconsciously, I was cutting in triplets, which is basically a musical term for a succession of three, da, da, yeah, da, yeah. Da, 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 
So if you listen to the the track on the trailer, I was cutting to that rhythm. And then what I started doing, and I, I think I, you know, you're cutting in nonlinear with Avid, you've got multiple video tracks, and you got to put little clips on top of each other. And at one point, I threw a clip that I wanted in the sequence on top of another shot, but the clip was short, too short. And so the same shot that was underneath that clip came out the other side. So I like this shot A, we go to B and back to shot A again. I'm like, right. Oh, this intercut's kind of cool. Okay. And so I, I started developing this technique in relation to the music, not throughout, but it's called this intercut technique that we, we came up with. And that's really what that and the music is what makes that trailer. I mean, it's it just... The, the explosions it's, it's and the drums going together and the yeah. shots and the blackouts. And, and, you know, I've, I've had many, many, many interns over the years, a lot from my alma mater, but many other interns from other film schools. And they, they always ask me, so, well, I'm, you know, I'm so involved in my, my major of film and television or what have you, digital media, what other courses should I take? And I always say, take a music class, take a basic music course, because what is editing? Editing's rhythm. It's, yeah, it's, it it's, it's, yeah. it's visual and audio composition. What is music? It's audio composition. And you get a really good, play an instrument, learn piano. I used to play saxophone and piano, not very well, but I tried. <laughs> and it just gives you this I, this inner sense of timing. And that's what makes that trailer. It's 55 seconds of just like, whoa. And I did, I do now remember what seeing about a week ago, kind of getting ready for this, <laughs> for this interview. And I'm like thinking, wow, this is pretty good. Yeah. Because, <laughs> it came out well. <laughs> because I think a lot of trailers now, they give too much away, especially yeah. in the teaser or the tra trailer uh, yeah. one or whatever. Yeah, there is a reason for that. I mean, not to get off our subject bond here, but from a marketing standpoint, the reason you get so much story rammed down your throat to where the, the by the time the trailer's over, you're like, ah, uh, okay, why do I need to see the movie? I yeah, just saw yeah. it. What happens is, like motion pictures and, and to a certain extent television shows or series, we audience test advertising to the hilt. And so basically, you can do something really cool. If, for instance, you could take the Golden Eye teaser as it is now, set it up with a test audience, give it a focus group. It won't test. People are like, what's it about? I don't get it. Yeah. And so you end up putting more and more story in to get good testing numbers. Yay, it tests well, finish it. And like, now you got the whole movie in the trailer. That's one of the reasons why. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that the advertising of today, it just tells way, way too much. I, I'm all about teasing. I'm all about yeah. doing something cool. Maybe a hint of story, a key line, and you're out. That's that's kind of my method. I try to do that. You yeah. Know, it, my I mean, it's different with Bond, isn't it? Because you already know what you're going to get, don't you? You know, a lot of it is, like you said, the three main things in a trailer. <laughs> the story is like that's secondary, isn't it, in a Bond film? Let's be honest. Well, yes, and I, I hate to put it that way, or you know, I hear it that way put, but it's like it's true because you know what to expect. It's it's you you have, and that was the interesting thing about the Golden Eye teaser too. Is like we knew we had a built-in audience, but that that audience had been absent from the movie yeah. for so long, yeah. and we have a star. Pierce Brosnan, who's known for this US TV show called Remington Steel. Yeah. And we're facing this, this challenge of, okay, we have a known entity. You know, I'm not going to go into who likes Dalton or Roger Moore better, Connery. It's like, you, you need to, you've got a known entity, but how do you make it exciting? So you're right. The story in a Bond movie, you, may, you, you know what the story is. The structure is always going to be the same. And that's what, you, that's what you're dealt with. Yeah. How privileged was it sort of seeing this footage? I mean, you, you've seen footage of Goldeneye before pretty much anybody else, weren't you? Oh, man. absolutely. 
Yeah, and, and it's 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 not, was not that was not only really exciting. Now that happens on any given movie, and yes. this was we started back in the in the day where we just mainly we would work with a cut that was pretty well along. Nowadays, we start on a campaign. We have every single last frame of footage shot for the movie. We get all the dailies in. Right. We get, oh yeah, we get we start so early now. We read we read the script. So you're starting with you know it's kind of interesting because that's one of the reasons why people you know you'll they'll see a great moment or a great joke. In, in a trailer and they they oh this is great we want to go so they go see the movie and that's not in the movie yeah. that moment, it's not in the movie and one of the reasons is we start working with the footage so early yeah that whatever that scene that line that shot works in the context of advertising but by the time the filmmakers are done with it, it it's taken out of the feature for some reason because it's not working in the context of yeah. the feature so that's one I, of the reasons i always remember i think it's the batman forever trailer have loads of these amazing lines in <laughs> yeah. let's start this party with a bang and then it wasn't <laughs> in. It's, it's so funny but then you don't see the deleted scenes either i can understand exactly. that though yeah well in fact it's a very good point uh, if i remember correctly in the javar never dies trailer there's a line where pierce walks up and jonathan price who was one of my favorite villains i love him Oh my God! What a great yeah. villain in that film. In the trailer we did, I, I he Pierce walks up and says Bond, and then you, you want to hear Bond, James Bond. And what I do is I found in dailies a shot of Jonathan Price just kind of laughing, like snickering. It was the only take he did. I forgot what line it was actually for. It's a cheat, so it was not even part of that scene. Right. And so Pierce walks this bond, and then you cut to Jonathan Price starting to laugh, and you cut back to J- to Pierce going James Bond. So oh. that's why. And I don't, I don't think that laugh is from Jonathan Price is in the feature. I, I have to go back and check. Oh. <laughs> bond, <laughs> James Bond. But yeah, being a Bond fan is that just amazing having access to all this footage? You know? Oh no, it's wonderful. And you know, when when you know we did Goldeneye here in the states, and then as we did subsequent campaigns, and this is the wonderful opportunity which is I, I'm just I'm so privileged and happy to know that this I was part of this we would then we would we would get the footage in some dailies start working on a teaser trailer for like tomorrow never dies uh, world not enough and die another day and we'd send stuff back and forth Barbara and Michael would look at it the director would look at it their marketing team would look at it and we get to a point where they're like they're kind of happy with it and they're like okay guys let's get you on a plane and get over here so we would usually and I, it was always predictable right around July and August we'd fly over which was wonderful because all at MGM's expense and stay in downtown London. We would cut everything at Pinewood. So I would go to Pinewood and I would literally be in a room. I'm in this room and right next to me, they're cutting the feature. I had access to the servers. So basically I'm cutting this trailer in, you know, in the same space where they're cutting the Bond movie. So talk about access to footage. I had access to anything I wanted. <laughs> oh my word. I'm still amazed I was able to, I, yeah. I, I still think about this now. It gives me chills. I'm like, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Four films as well. I mean, goodness me. Yeah. Is it right that you worked on the, the Tina Turner, the GoldenEye music video? I actually worked on that as well. That was, that was an interesting project because I did not start on that from scratch. That was something that this agency was hired to do. The filmmakers, I forgot how it worked out, the record company, I can't remember. Long story short, they weren't happy with the final product. And so my boss, again, who I can't thank enough for the reason you and I are talking is because of this one guy, Joe Nimzicki, who was a creative executive at MGM. He was my boss. Star and Jeff mentioned him. Yeah, Yeah. just wonderful creative force. I've never worked with a more creative person, actually, uh, in a long time. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I actually do currently work with some amazing creative talent. But it's because of Joe that, like I said, I I was given this opportunity to either make good or screw 
up and I guess we made good on it. So basically my boss at the time, Joe Nimzicki said, hey, I got a great editor. Let's go ahead and do it in house. I'm like, okay, sure. Like I don't have enough to do. So I, you know, took the footage in and basically recut the video to make it a little more dynamic, a little punchy. And it was such, if I remember it correctly, again, it's been a while since I've seen it. These wonderful projected shots. You got this Bond woman, you know, opening yeah. title sequence element to it. Tina Turner, of course, what a voice. What a legend. What a great force of music nature. And so, yes, I did end up. Then, of course, you know, the whole thing was you have to intersperse, you know, moments from the movie. And I think that was the part that the original editors and the original production team wasn't quite getting. Because it, it's like you want to do a music video, but you want to put an advertising spin on it. So that's kind of what we did. And this is at a time, too, where MTV, do they even say play videos anymore? The basic, well, you could only use like 30% of the, 30% of the video could only be featured. The rest of the 70% had to be Anyways, I can't remember what it was. There was yep. a percentage of how much feature film you could use in, in the video. I do remember that. Fascinating. And then, of course, you get the call, can you do Tomorrow Never Dies? And that was different, wasn't it? Because that that had a, a more trouble shoot. It was had to be shot the whole film very quickly. And I think the script was being written as they were filmed. I mean, I, I don't think it shows in the film, but I don't know whether that reflected that you had even less time to do all that work on that film. Uh- I remember the same kind of time schedule. It was again during during the summer. We you know we do the teaser early, so basically when we're cutting again, we don't call them teasers anymore. So when we're cutting the first piece of advertising, you know the film is barely finished, so we have access to a limited amount of shots. Well, I believe we use Jeff and Star's theme as well yeah. in that, and I think I, we use it in a trailer at one point too. And then in subsequent films, World Is Not Enough, we went in a different music direction. And eventually, with Die Another Day, ended up doing a new version of the Bond theme because at that point. You have to think about the many years that went by, but I don't recall Tomorrow Never Dies being that unusually difficult compared okay. to the... I only have one Bond film to compare it to. I had nothing, little did I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. more films ahead of me. I wasn't even sure I was going to be at MGM that long, but I was there, you know, pretty much with with the exception of one short break in the middle, I was there for 12 years in a in right. house. On this one, there's like an American voiceover on the one that you've cut, I think. Well, yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies, and actually the Golden Eye, the trailer, not the teaser, and then the trailer for Tomorrow Never Dies was voiced by this wonderful Australian gentleman by the name of Nick oh, Tate. Okay, uh, wow. Nick is actually, Nick Tate is actually uh, Australian, and then of course he would later go on to do, you know, this entire campaign for the small little movie called Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> in fact, he might have done Jurassic Park before he did Bond, because I remember us going, oh, we got to get that guy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I believe, and Nick is now, and he's also an actor too, you'll see him pop up occasionally not so much in u.s television anymore but definitely in australia i I don't know if he's retired or not he's in his 70s now but he i think he's still doing voice work really yesterday is a memory today is history tomorrow is in the hands of one man bond you know the rest. Tomorrow never dies. Now shooting around the world. 
that all re- pre-recorded and it comes to you, or do you have to sort of say, can you say this differently or anything like we, that? We direct. Back back then, you know, that this is really talk about how things have changed. We used to literally go to voiceover sessions where the, the talent would walk in, go into the booth, stand behind the microphone or sit, depending on the talent. And you were there were there with your script, and then you he would do a couple passes, and you hit your intercom button so he could hear in his cans or headphones, as they're called. And then you would give direction. Now it's all digital. Uh, these right. voiceover, these voiceover artists are all set up in their homes in their little studios. They get you email them a script, or you email their agent a script. Their agent or manager then emails them the script, says, "Here's what we need," and they'll do a couple different passes. And they'll okay if it's not quite working, you'll send it back. Say, "Hey, can you do a little bit of a different inflection on this line?" They'll do it again happily. But there's no there's no more voiceover going to a booth and sitting and having your coffee and chatting with your voiceover talent. Yeah. Those, those days are pretty much over. They just, right. they just literally read it and email you a file, an audio file. So that is different, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's wild. <laughs> For Tomorrow Ever Dies is a very red and black theme. I don't know whether that was, do you, were you aware of that at the time or? No, I didn't, you know, that's informed by our key art and our print division, usually coming up with a look. You know, that will follow through because you want your AV audio, your audiovisual advertising to mimic and obviously be consistent with your print advertising. And when I mean print, that's one sheets or posters, billboards, bus sides, anything you see that's still that's interview that's promoting the show. Yeah, I don't I'm not sure how the red and black came about in that in that movie. And I think later with uh, the world is not enough i think that was have more of an orangey yellow yeah. theme to it if i remember correctly and then die another day was great because it was all about ice so yeah. we, had this, we had this steel blue icy you know look to all of our graphics which you could you, just looking at the graphics you're like i'm, I'm getting the chills because oh yeah you've got this ice look to it which is wonderful and i love that the noise at the end of that the down of the day trailer you can hear the ice just crackling slightly crackling yeah this yeah, great on the logo that was that was a multi if i remember correctly i put in i had like one ice cracking effect in there and the, the creative executive at the time says what well, no we gotta really make this crack i'm like okay so i lied this layer upon layer of different ice and different sounds i pitched i audio pitched up uh, certain sounds to kind of get that really cool almost make your skin crawl sound oh it's beautiful (laughs) when danger becomes a temptation when every move brings you closer to the edge when you live each day like it's your last there's a surprise around every curve. Pierce Brosnan. Die another day. For that, for Dino of the Day, was was the ice theme partly because I think one of the the titles of the film had a, a different title. Was it called Beneath the Ice at one stage? And I think I, this was all through the Ice Palace, wasn't it? So that was. A I of- believe I believe you're right, and you bring up a very good point too. Because when we first start working on these Bond yeah. movies, or when we used to, we get a script. There's no title. We it's literally Bond Twenty One, yeah. Bond Twenty Three. That's the that's the literally written on the script. <laughs> Because yeah. they use market, they use they one point they used our marketing team to come up with titles. They used our writers to come up with with titles for Bond movies. Speaking of which, when No Time to Die came out, I just <laughs> I'm like I, I just 
I, I'm sorry. I had to roll my eyes and go, how many times do we need to use the word die? You know, yeah, yeah. Title? Well, really, guys, you well, couldn't come up with something better. I'm just, anyway. Yeah. I thought it was a slightly misleading title, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, my God. Totally. <laughs> but no, so, uh, yeah, you're right. Under, under the, Beneath the Ice, which yeah. would have been a great title. I mean, Decent though, talk, yeah. you know, Die Another Day. I mean, it, that doesn't really go with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you live to die another day. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, that line worked, and it's funny because I was yeah. on the plane. We were on the plane heading over to to your country, of course. And I'm reading. The, that was the first time I read the script, actually. And I'm reading the script on the plane, and I came across that line. I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to use that in the trailer. So I'm, I'm just I'm bullet pointing, going through the script. Going, I want that. I want that. I want that. <laughs> oh wow. Magnificent view. My friends call me Jinx. My friends call me James Bond. Oh. Now there's a mouthful. You're a rare challenge, Mr. Bond. Where you're going, you'll get us both killed. Let's get down to business. I take it Mr. Bond's been explaining his Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I think I got the thrust of it. What happened to you? Bond. Plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. So you live to die another day. The Die Another Day script is a, a very... Uh controversial script <laughs> it's not one of the most loved uh, bond, bond scripts but uh yeah so you had access to all of that the purpose oh sure i'm oh, sure you know yeah. what's funny at one point I, I i have all i have all the original bond scripts still somewhere in the my office yeah. here and at one point you know because pierce brosnan had his production company in the same complex where mgm was in santa monica irish Dreamtime. i don't know if he still has irish oh, yeah. Dreamtime or okay. not and i would run i would you know run into him a few times in the elevator here he's in the other building and i was i was always tempted to just bring my stack of four scripts over this is when mgm right before mgm was sold to sony and i was almost tempted to walk over and say you know you may or not know me i've worked on your campaigns could you do a little signage signature autograph for me and then i realized i was supposed to destroy those scripts so, <laughs> <laughs> no that's not gonna work <laughs> how was he pierce was he was he okay to did he did he chat did he have a chat to pierce when you when oh you yeah it? yeah he you know, was just a friendly hi how you doing and you know it's like love your work kind of thing and a very very wonderful sweet gentleman very tall very tall. Yeah. But like I said, it, it, we, you know, you have, you know, this, 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 this term that we use, of course, called elevator pitch, you know, when you're trying yes. to you pitch a story in an elevator going from the first floor to the 10th or whatever. And so the only times I really got to chat with him were in the, uh, in the elevators. So I, I, I've shared elevator rides with him. I shared elevator rides with the rock. Um, oh. was, uh, Jimbo, Jim Belushi. That was interesting. Oh, fascinating. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing who you meet in the elevator at a studio. Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> this is Guts Otto, aka Mr. Stemper from Tomorrow Never Dies. You're listening to Really 007. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Have fun. I owe you an unpleasant death, Mr. Bond. So I was, you know, going through in preparation for our interview, you know, looking at a lot of the advertising from the past. And just it brought back so many memories and so many great stories. And, and the, one of the first memories I had was working on World's Not Enough. You know, I was assigned an assistant who was working on the feature and to help me out if I had, you know, server issues or, you know, I need to know yeah. where this is or that is. And he was also working again on on Rolls on Enough. Gentleman, wonderful gentleman by the name of Mark Sanger, who was an assistant, and then eventually got into editing, and then eventually ended up working on this, you know, editing this movie called Gravity. <laughs> Don't know if you've heard of it, ended up winning an Academy <laughs> Award for it. I was going to say, <laughs> so, yeah. I did get an Oscar, didn't it, for editing? Yeah, Honestly, exactly. Wow. So he was uh, he was the first assistant I worked with at, with the Bond Company, and then you know it was great working there because we would go to lunch occasionally with the, when the crew would break for lunch, the editing team, we would go and there's a great pub. I don't know if it's still there down the road from Pinewood in, in by the roundabout. Again, I forgot the name of it. And so basically we were, my creative executive and I were having our lunch. And of course we had our two pints and, you know, enjoying ourselves at lunch. And we're sitting with Michael Apted, the director, and we're just chatting about the marketing. He was curious about the, kind of the same thing we're talking about now, the process we go through in trying to create trailers. And so Michael Apted went up to get, uh, uh, excuse himself for something and, and left or went over to, to another table. And my boss and I decided we're down two pints. So I'll go grab us another two. And so I'm coming out of the pub with, you know, two beers in my hand and Michael Apted is coming into the pub. <laughs> I'm going to say this and please excuse my horrible accent. He looks at me, we stop and stare at each other. And he's like, well, no wonder your trailers go by so bloody fast. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just a wonderful thing that, you know, like, that's a moment I won't forget either. So. That's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'll defend, I think he did a great job on World Is Not Enough. He got the classic Bond elements, but put a lot more story into it, you know, with Electra and all that. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, there, there there are many, many complaints about Denise Richards acting in that film, and that's that seems to be the the, the I don't know. I'm too close yeah. to it to, to really it serves evaluate. a purpose. Exactly. It serves a purpose. Because <laughs> I think you couldn't because Sophie Marceau is the main Bond girl and the exactly. main Bond villain. Yeah, and Sophie, it, and she was yeah. I, uh, she's she was, fantastic. She was marvelous in that movie, absolutely. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Did you meet any of the other Bond directors when you were working on the other film? Uh, Lee Tomahori I met on Die Another Day, who was a very quiet, understated gentleman. Yeah. And, you know, because when, when we're working there, you know, it, it, we when we're working on most campaigns here in the States, we go through layers of get it past your creative director, get it past his boss, that boss. And eventually when you're happy with it after changes, it goes with the client that have to go through their process. When you're there, in next to where they're editing the Bond film, uh, Barbara and Michael are right there to come see what you're doing. And right, oh, so, <laughs> so that's a lot of pressure on your ear then, isn't it? Yeah. No pressure. And, <laughs> and basically, well, there's another funny, there's another great story I need to need to share with you briefly. But no, so we have access to them when we're ready to show the cut. And I remember Lee and, and Barbara coming in to my bay and we would play the cut. They would make a couple suggestions, really chill about it. And I'm like, they're... <laughs> So, so that just having access to them is is great. But uh, another story I remember just briefly is on a world is not enough. You probably know the fact that that is the longest pre-title sequence of any. It was. It was until no time to die. <laughs> yeah. Actually, thank you for. Yeah, it was. That broke the record. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was, right. yeah, for many years. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I always say there's any given Bond movie is about 20 minutes too long. If they took out that entire sequence in No Time to Die, they'd be fine. But what? So <laughs> I'm, there, I'm there working out my trailer, and then all of a sudden I get a knock on the door. I think Mar- it was Mark who comes in and says, uh, question, can you can you visit us a minute next in the next suite? I'm like, where are you editing the film? He's like, yeah. Like, okay. So I get up and walk over, and there's Jim Clark, the editor, sitting with Barbara. Barbara says, Russ, we love your opinion. I'm like, you're asking me for an, an advertising person to weigh in on something, all things Bond feature. Okay, sure. I'm here. I'm standing right here. Walking. I was like, sh- not shaking in my boots, but going, where's this going? Jim's turns around the editor and says, uh, you know, we cannot get this sequence any shorter. We're trying to figure out how to tell a story, have this exciting chase. But he's like, the thing is just too goddamn long. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, uh, you want me to watch? You like, take a seat and let's watch. So I sat there for the 14 minutes, I think it is, of this really well-constructed, and that's one of my favorite Bond themes done by my one of my favorite composers, David Arnold. Yeah, uh, perfect, I just love it, that version. It's very dated now. It's so 90s Yeah, with now. the drum and bass, isn't it? Yeah. But, oh, my God, it's just that that rhythm, that, that yeah. sound of that that incarnation of the Bond theme I love. And what a beautiful montage Jim had done. And so at the end of 14 minutes... I said, okay, let's go back and play it again. We ran it again. So now I'm a half hour into not working on my trailer. <laughs> and not that I cared, because I'm yeah. sitting there <laughs> freaking Barbara these. Broccoli in the editor yeah. of a yeah. film. I said, don't change a thing. I, I can't figure out where to cut anything. And it stayed. I mean, they oh, might have lost a second here or there, changed a few shots, but that, from that point, it stayed. Yeah. It was the most amazing experience. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. Because they figured, okay, Russ knows how to make things go fast and shorter. <laughs> yeah, and it is. I think it, it was just that it, the fact that it was the longest, that was the only complaint. No one actually thought, oh, this is baggy, you know, this is saggy, you need to get rid of it. It works. It works, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I said. I said, it works. You're telling your story, you're getting from point A to B, you're doing it a really cool way. You got this boat going down the Thames. It's like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> uh, I did point out, though, there's in one point you can see in a wide shot where it spins towards the dock. There's actually, you can actually see the, the jib arm of a camera in the shot. Yes, yes. And I said, I think I saw a camera in that shot, and then we backed up to it, and we saw, oh yeah, that's right. And, it's still in the final film, so <laughs> yeah. that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so, but you, I think you, you at least told me. That shot, guys. 
yeah. <laughs> is it a real family feel do you think at Pinewood with Barbara and everybody there yes when I was there I mean it's more of a family with the editorial crew and the post supervisors and the visual effects people and talk about working hand in glove with the visual effects people on these films they have their suite their own suite upstairs and there it's constant communication with right. editorial and visual effects because there's so many freaking visual effects when it comes to you know Barbara and Michael don't sit there every day they've got other things to do and I think you know they know how to take care of their staff and I I, I they're just you know but they they, they have so much weight on their shoulders being the, the keepers of this amazing franchise that they don't spend too much time in the weeds. Now, I have no idea with production how that goes. I mean, I, I've heard great stories about production. I've heard nightmare stories in production. So that's that's those are questions for some other person who's more knowledgeable <laughs> than me on that. <laughs> Again, post-production, after-production, that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah. With Will Is Not Enough, looking at the trailer you did, that's the one with the countdown, isn't it? And it plays on yes. the, the sort of millennium bug. That was massive in England, certainly. Everyone was terrified about it. I don't know whether America was scared. I don't know. Oh, the, the <laughs> turning over to 2000. Yeah, we got yeah. a little freaked out. The Y2K. Yeah, yeah yes. we got a little freaked out. And the countdown to the new millennium was, and I remember the voice on that was Miguel Ferrer. Oh, was, was it? Oh, guy. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, and you probably know, he's on he passed away a few years ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, awfully. Yeah. Yeah. And I, his brother, Rob, Rafael Ferrer is another, he was the voice of MTV, this gravelly MTV, you know, and, yes, and yeah. they were, they come from an acting family, obviously. But no, the countdown was a device that we know that we we're coming to the end of this millennium. And so why not do it? And, and there was a technique that I had used, I think it was No Tomorrow Never Dies, where I wanted the staccato in between, but da 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 and it was it was a technique we used in a TV spot for Tomorrow Never Dies. And I said, I want to bring that back because I don't think that spot ever hit the air. I was like, right. no one knows. So and then we decided with this countdown to lead us into this staccato. And again, you know, you want to hear Bond say James Bond, James Bond. And then you end up going to uh, Vlad, oh, what's his name, played by Robbie Coltrane. Oh, uh, yeah. Who says, can't you just knock on the door like a normal person? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zhukovsky, yeah, yeah. Because we have all these, expl- you know, right before the logo, I think, it's like we have all these explosions and all this going on, you know, Bond's involved in this chaos, and there's Robbie Coltrane going, well, can't you just say hello like a normal yeah. person? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. No, it does work really well. As the countdown begins to the 21st century, it's good to know there is still one number you can always count on. Bond. Bond. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Renard is behind this. He will die along with everyone in the city. We do not negotiate with terrorists. His only goal is chaos. I sent 009 to kill Renard. He put a bullet in his head. That bullet's still there. He feels no pain. He can push himself harder, longer than any normal man. No hard feelings, Mr. Bond. It appears that you have been beaten. Don't make this personal. I can't do that. I just can't help thinking I'm next. New model. The very latest in interception countermeasures. And six beverage cup holders. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape plan. For the world's greatest secret agent. You've confused hundreds of these, right? When the stakes are high. Yeah, but they're usually standing still. Life's full of small challenges. And the danger hits too close to home. Ah! He has M. By noon tomorrow, you'll feel nothing at all. I thought it was your job to protect me. It's not just professional. Someone's tampered with the bomb. It's personal. I have to get it back or somebody's going to have my butt. First things first. 
I'm gonna find him. Who's afraid now, Mr. Bond? I will not miss. I never miss. Do you want to put that in English for those of us who don't speak spy? Why am I suddenly worried I'm not carrying enough insurance? Your time is up. The world is not enough. For this one, it was obviously Desmond Llewellyn's final appearance as Q. Were you aware of things like that going into I, it? No. Well, here's the thing, and I don't. I mean, his. I don't know if he was planning on retiring or not, but he had that. Oh, I, this is yeah. so tragic. I it's mean, because dreadful. the last in the trailer, he's giving Bond a piece of advice, and I believe his last line is "Never let them see you bleed." Yeah. And, and he's actually, and he's sinking into the floor in that shot. It's uh, so emotional. In his lab, because we've introduced John Cleese, who yeah. I liked as a cue. I, I love him. He's a perfect. I, you person. know, and it was yeah. nice and fresh. So whether or not Desmond would have done another movie, I have no idea. But unfortunately, that choice was not up to him yeah. in that horrible, tragic act, car accident. But, yeah. Um, I enjoyed John. I do like the new cue, of course. Yeah. Very yeah, different. So I, I, but I was not about. aware whether or not that was Desmond's last movie. You know, I just thought, okay. And again, I didn't know I'd be working on the next movie. So yeah. to me, every, every Bond movie I worked on was the last one because I had no idea I would just continue on and on. But that, that stage, it was the productions were so quick. You know, it was every two or three years, the films, because now it's obviously slowed down quite a lot. Yes. But then, you, you know, you say Dine of the Day, just going back to that teaser trailer, there's, there's that whole sequence with the, the women sort of in the darkness in the moonlight, isn't there? I mean, well, that's, yeah. that's very interesting, very different. Completely different to the previous. Completely day. different, and I, I can honestly say I had absolutely nothing to do with that. That was okay. that was given to me. <laughs> Just given it, yeah. it. was a visual effects company uh, in London who created that sequence. It was a special shoot, compare you know combined yeah. with CGI and, and computers and what have you. Of course, I'm responsible for the montage, so all I had to do was drop in that section and then yeah. basically key in the uh, the Aston Martin spinning on the ice through the gun oh, barrel. Yeah, and it's a great transition. It's great. You know? Yeah, it is. The great thing about Bond movies is you can put anything you want down that gun barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the gun barrel. I won't get into that one. But. So that there's a phrase in it that says, live for the moment and die another day. Is that So that was that given to you as well, that phrase? Yes, that's copy. Uh, I don't write yeah. any copy. Uh, I can rewrite copy. But no, that, that's the tagline that we came up with for live for the moment, die another day. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think suits, I guess it suits the movie. I don't know. I, you know yeah. I, 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 <laughs> This one you, makes one wonder what the next Bond movie is going to be titled. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, well, have died. Or who's gonna, or who and or who's going to be in it as well? But that's a <laughs> yeah. another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> as well, Dying of the Day was slightly different. I don't know whether the marketing was different because of Halle Berry. You know, it was almost like a two-hander, wasn't it? She was almost co-star, co-villain. Yeah, and exactly. And that that was done intentionally because there was talk and development going on to have her do her own spinoff. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That was why we were edging towards getting her very prominent. She wasn't Bond's sidekick. She was an equal to Bond. In some ways, kind of like Michelle Yeoh in Tomorrow Never Dies, yes. but yeah. that wasn't as overt in that movie. Halle Berry's character, Jinx, was she, she was with CIA, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Madsen was her boss in the movie. Yeah. So it was a deliberate attempt to make sure that they were equal on the screen and that she was a force unto herself that could handle herself very well in any situation and therefore uh I, nothing ever became of the spinoff but you know it was just um again wonderful just creating different moments between the two of them the sexual tension the action tension you know and it's it, it, you know I, I think out of the four films die another day is probably not my favorite 
but I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And as it turned out, it happened to be my last Bond campaign. So Yeah, yeah. And it ended <laughs> with a bang. <laughs> I mean, the, the obviously the Daniel Craig films are totally different. And the, I suppose uh, trailers might have moved on by then as well. Yes. And I think, too, I was really I never I didn't see Casino Royale immediately because I was kind of in some ways peeved because MGM was sold to Sony or this consortium. This I forgot who. Yeah. There are three different companies who bought it. I left MGM to go to an independent advertising company after 12 years. And I'm, I, I, I was like, I was kind of pissed off because like, I don't get to do another Bond movie and I want to. Yeah. And, but I also realized, why am I being so greedy? <laughs> I'm, the only, I'm the only editor that I know of who's worked on four consecutive Bond campaigns. Yeah. That's, I don't know of anyone else who did that. Now, that being said, here I'm all excited about my little trips to Pinewood. The editor who did the campaign for Casino Royale was traveling with the production company globally, cutting together as their. Right. Oh, wow. That would be amazing. And I, I forgot his name. He used to work at it was Wildcard Entertainment, which is an agency here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I forgot the editor's name, but he was working on his laptop with a hard drive, going, following the, the team all over the world. I'm like, Okay, now I'm really jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could have been living it up with Pierce. On the I know, show. I know. <laughs> and he likes the party too. I've heard Pierce likes. Yes, the party. we've heard, we've heard that as well. <laughs> Hi, I'm Star Parodi, and I'm Jeff Fair, and we're the creators of the music for the Bond Goldeneye teaser trailer, the Parody Fair version, and you are listening to the amazing Really 007. But that wasn't the end, was it? Because you, you did loads of stuff for the 50th anniversary Blu-rays, didn't you? You know what? I was, I had so much fun. Talk about, now you see mashups on YouTube all the time, but yeah. they're, they're usually not done by professional editors. And no. don't get me wrong, they're good. They're Some of them are really good. But what a dream to be able to take 50 years, all these Bond films, and I mean, if you look, the two pieces I did were, you know, the villains mashup or, and then great cars and chases, which was yeah. just, oh my, I had, <laughs> you saw the video on my website. It's like, I how much them, fun yeah. can you have? It's the one, in fact, the, the, the creative director I was working for, it took me, a, Tom, it took me about a month to cut that. Montage. I bet he did, yeah. The amount about of footage you've got to look it, at. And that's, it's like two minutes, two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. And my creative director looked at it for the first time. He's like, Russ, I just got chills. <laughs> Love it, yeah. I have never seen anything like this before. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I like, and I, it was it was great to be back in that Bond world, you know, not or not new Bond per se, but it was in yeah, fact it was it, it was working on those projects that made me have to watch Casino Royale. So I okay. like it. <laughs> I like it. You've got, you've got to be a Bond fan, really, to to be doing those kind of packages, aren't you? You've exactly. Got to know you where have, to look for and what. You have to know where the bodies are buried. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you you can't. And like I said, I think I spent two weeks just breaking down all the movies. I, I want to say, Tom, actually, it might have been maybe a month and a half, two months it took me. I to bet it was, yeah. yeah. And because all I, I was simultaneously simultaneously cutting the villain sequence as well. Yes. So I was editing them at the. T- so when I come across the villain moment, I go, okay, this goes here, and then and then even in the villain piece, we're talking about the countdown from World Is Not Enough. There's a countdown at the end of that villain piece as well, where you have all these different villains going. You know, ten minutes, two minutes. You know, your time is up. You know, yes. it's just gold. It's all gold. It's, it's just so much gold to work with. And you start to pick up themes, I guess, don't you, when you watch them all like that? Yeah, you totally do. And you also get to see how similar every single Bond movie is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if not identical. So. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. not yeah. identical. 
Dear me. Oh, I, I bet that was incredible. And with that, did they did they just give you all the films to look at? Yeah, we had them. Um, we didn't have the original masters for those. We were, again, I was at this other agency. A lot of them were just, we started cutting off a Blu-ray and DVD, actually. Then we finally got the masters to overcut the montages for finish, yeah. for obviously mastering. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, again, I knew a lot of the films anyways, but there were also some films that I had never been able to get through entirely, like Octopussy. Oh, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't uh-huh. have a good octopus. <laughs> okay, let's. Yeah, now, now, now I'm treading dangerously, aren't I? <laughs> Can't alienate the audience, Russell. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it's like, okay, it's like, okay. What's your favorite Bond movie, Russ? No, okay. No, no. <laughs> so, 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 yes, being familiar and having to go yeah. through them again and refresh myself because it had been years and years and years since you know. I mean, I know Goldfinger backwards and forwards. Of course, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I love that movie so much. I have it not only on Blu-ray, but I, I have a 60 millimeter film collection. I have a beautiful Technicolor print of oh, it. Well. So, my yeah. word, I'd love to yeah. see that. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic! It sparkles on the screen. Yeah, and the sound as well. Oh, the music. Yeah, being, being an old film guy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. We are told sort of you've got to have like a shot from each of the f- films of each six actors and this kind of thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah, you yeah. have to. You had you had to represent every single uh, Bond character. You had to represent every uh, movie, and basically that was the goal: is that so people could point out their. Well, I remember that oh, that car flip goes into this yeah. car flip in the in, in the montage for the cars. You know, Roger Morris says, "Let's try reverse. That's backwards." And yes. So we, we, I forgot what car it was. We spin one car, which then cuts to the uh, gasoline truck spinning on the uh, on the runway tarmac. It just this whole oh, yeah. of things and. It's just a lot of fun. But yeah, every every single movie, we were very diligent to make sure nothing was left out. And even the fire truck chase in San Francisco, which is the, that's oh, the yeah. only stop in that. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember what film that was. A View to a Kill. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we, we squeeze <laughs> that in there as well. It's like fire truck chase, you got to have yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I suppose, when, you, when you're doing it, if you've only got two and a half minutes, you've got to focus on maybe three or four villains or three or four of the best vehicles. So then... Is that all your decision, or do you as to which uh, ones you focused on? Well, again, I don't think we had any time limit with these pieces. They could be up to like five minutes, I think. So, yeah, okay. I, it was just a matter of how they interacted with each other, and yeah. and we had this great moment that we and I don't think it ended up. It ended up in an opening montage. I did. It didn't end up in the villains piece, but we had them all the all the bonds playing poker with each other. There's this yes, yeah, I remember, yeah, and it's it's and I don't think it ended up in that final sequence. I think it ended up in a montage I did for the Blu-ray, where yep. you know you you get to see the Bonds playing poker, everyone from Connery to you know yeah. George Lazenby to you know Roger Moore. But no, so I, I was as long as I got everyone in, it, I was it was pretty much up to me to figure out who would talk with who and who would interact with who. You know, even revealing Blowfell, we had so much fun with because we you know we would cut from. Roger Moore, you know, Aaron Stavro Blofeld to a reaction from Pierce. You know, it was just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and psychologically, you're watching this and it just flows. Your brain is just accepting all of this completely non-related imagery and sound to make it a cohesive piece. And guess what that's called, folks? Montage editing. <laughs> yes. And you're quite good at that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been told. And, it, and obviously, you've got the great music as well to work with, which must yes. help. Yeah. 
And that was great to go back through all the old Bond soundtracks. I now have them all on a hard drive, you know, oh. hard drive, which I, I listen to them, you know, constantly. But to, <laughs> use the, to use the music from, you know, from from Dr. No all the way up through Casino Royale was just like, oh, this is oh. so cool. And oh, and it's so, and, and from a music standpoint, I know Jeff and Starr probably spoke on this, so definitely appreciate this fact, is you listen to all the iterations of the Bond themes over decades. Yeah. It's fascinating. You know, it's fascinating the fact that they started off with this one riff for, you know, Dr. No on a good old fashioned Strat guitar. Yeah. And now it's all sampled. <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's so versatile, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, it's just it's incredible. Just incredible. So the, again, just I, I'll never forget these experiences definitely on the on the on the Pierce Brosnan films. But just, you know, my my connection with the Bond franchise has just been one of the most memorable experiences of my entire career something I will never, ever, ever forget. I'm still remembering stories <laughs> for 27 plus years ago. <laughs> oh. You know, I, one of the things I'll say, and it's, it's interesting how things come full circle, as I said earlier in our talk, how we basically, it was a moment in time that we changed motion picture advertising, the way trailers and teasers were done. And I, when I, the trailer came out for No Time to Die, I'm watching it. And actually, I was, I was kind of half watching it. And it was on, I, it was, we weren't in a theater, uh, I haven't been to a cinema in, in 30 years. Uh, we go to screenings and, and oh, we yeah. do a lot of stuff on, on Blu-ray. And actually the funny thing is the last time I was in the theater, the last thing I wanted to do was what? Sit through 20 minutes of trailers. Yes. <laughs> <Sure. Yeah. laughs> uh-uh. No, I can't. No, not having that. So my wife started watching the Di No Time to Die trailer. And she's like, Ross, you got to come see this. I'm like, so we backed it up. I looked at it. And she's like, did you cut this? I'm like, No. And you look at it, and it's the same style we established for Golden. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the same structure, the same rhythmic cutting. It's totally different Bond theme. I do love the, the Bond theme in that, uh, yeah. that incarnation of the Bond theme. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, it's like we changed, and then we went away, and then it's now all back again. And I think it's, you know, audiences have to see just this energetic, in-your-face, you know, no one has any attention span anymore. And so everything's got to be quick, 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 quick. And that's kind of what we set up with GoldenEye. And if you look at any trailers before that, these traditional heavy with, you know, narration, you were playing scenes out practically, which was an old throwback to decades ago when trailers were, you know, playing scenes out. And we wanted to do something different. So basically I looked at this style of this, the, the latest Bond movie and I'm like, pretty cool <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm not gonna say go go so far to say oh who came up with that idea i'm not gonna say that but <laughs> yeah, yeah. we definitely we definitely started something and of course that wasn't limited to any bond film any given action film now just look at look at how the trailers are cut you know take it is take whatever recent you know movie trailer you want to watch and put it up against another one you're going to see a lot of similarities and i said to uh star and jeff though that that that's the most impactful trailer i've ever had you know, not just because I'm a Bond fan, but it sort of brought all the memories back. But it got the excitement going, and the mu I mean, the music's fantastic, which you've you've got already with the the legacy. But their version was fantastic. Amazing. And it's just it's just those shots of, and it sold you Pierce Brosnan as well. It sells you this new era. Like you say, yes. we've had six six years without Bond. How are we going to do it? Here's how to do it. The pictures are going to do the talking, and we're ready to go. And so, oh yeah, watching that that was the first one I properly watched at the cinema and the trailer is a massive part of that and i used to watch the trailer over and over again 
Uh, and when, when I got it on v- VHS, it was on there. So it was like, right, let's watch it again. And yeah, it's still, it's still the best trailer, in my opinion. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That's interesting. The full-length trailer for that was uh, created before. It was then called the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA, as we used to call it. Now it's called the MPA. Uh, that was created, if you notice, that trailer is like three minutes and 15 seconds. That was done before they put a restriction on the studios to limit the trailers to two minutes and 30 seconds. So we were able to, because, and the reason that happened was theater owners were complaining that people, the studios were coming out with three minute trailers, four minute trailers, you know, just like the good old days. And they couldn't program enough trailers before the feature. They'd have an hour's worth of trailer and then the feature would start in the theater. <laughs> so, so the MPAA cracked down. And so it's interesting that it's your favorite trailer because that was the last Bond trailer that was over two minutes and 30 seconds. Wow. Okay. I yeah. didn't know that either. Yeah, they are. That, I can, again, it's all stuff that you wouldn't think of, the reasoning behind this. Well, and the interesting too, thing, too, is, you know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, people go to see a movie based on something they saw in, in the advertising and it's been cut out of the film. We, uh, and I, this is a European law, this does not apply to the United States, but in advertising, you cannot use a shot or a line of dialogue that is not in the feature. Now, oh. I don't know if this law is still in effect. Uh, in fact, it was Barbara Broccoli who told me this factoid when we were working on uh, World is Not Enough. And so you, it has to be, and I don't mean like a different take. It has to be the exact same take that's in the film that wow. goes into your trailer or your TV spot. I don't know if it's some kind of false advertising thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, we just cheat the hell out of everything and throw <laughs> in. We'll use stock footage. We'll, I mean, anything to sell the uh, the movie because we're not bound by those. In fact, the government, our government, actually, we, you know, people, you know, there are people, and I'm sure you've been in this same experience, who go and see a trailer, not necessarily for a bomb movie, but for any movie on the planet. They see a trailer, they're excited. They go see the movie, and it's a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah. and they're like, and they are so pissed off. I can't tell you how many of my friends I pissed off saying, yes. Russ, we saw your trailer, went to see the movie, you <laughs> son of a bitch. No. You picked it up for us. <laughs> and and they're like, that's my job. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you saw it, so the money's in the, the coffee. Exactly, yeah, sucker. Yeah. Um, it's not considered, we, we are not bound by the same false or misleading advertising rules, actually laws that are in this country because motion picture advertising is not considered by any government advertising. It is considered promotion. Yes, it is considered yeah. publicity. Therefore, we do not fall under the same rules that your Coca-Cola ads fall under, that your McDonald's ads fall under. You know, you misrepresent a product, you get enough complaints about it, you're in trouble. Yes. Uh, but you can misrepresent a feature all you want. <laughs> <laughs> we thought and it was going to be it all the time, And we do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> It's like here's the great here's here's the greatest showman, a wonderful musical. Let's sell it as a horror film. We could do that. Yeah, you could do. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob. I'm Simon, and I'm James. We want to talk about those movies, those supposedly bad movies, those movies that bombed. To see if they weren't that bad after all, join us every other Tuesday on the For Your Reconsideration podcast, part of the Pod Dojo Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, and all your usual podcast apps. And it won't cost you a solitary bean, mate. <laughs> it's like it's free. <laughs> it's just like it's free. <laughs> I, I noticed you worked on like Midsummer, and, and you've 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 worked on some of these other things as well, haven't you? On the what? 
Midsummer. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh my That's goodness. That's scary. That's a horror. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, talk about a horror. I was, you know, and we, I saw, and I had, we finally got in the director's cut. I know you've obviously seen the film, Tom. Um, I, I've seen it twice, and it's terrifying. Oh my God, I did a creative content piece for that, an interview with the director Ari, and I wasn't, I never saw his first film, which was Heredity, or I forgot what the Yes, was. yes, brilliant oh, film, yeah. I forgot what it was. And I, my assistant editor said, are you familiar with his work? I'm like, no. And they're like, you're going to see stuff you will not unsee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bring it on. So I'm in my little way. I'm at this other agency now, which I'm still at, actually. I watched this movie, and I was horrified. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have so much fun with this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But I, did, I did not do the trailers. I did digital advertising for those. Yes, basically. I saw those, like TV. Yeah, it was, it's a hybrid interview with the director and the cast. And, yes, and, great. Yeah, and 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 those are kind of now my favorite things. Is my career has morphed into, I can't. Well, I just finished a trailer for this wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, I heard the bells, which is uh, based on Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, which turned into a Christmas Carol. And that's the most recent trailer I've done. I so enjoy doing digital featurettes and behind the scenes pieces now they're actually harder to do than trailers because you're telling a story a narrative oh, yeah. through, through interviews you know you don't have yes you can use the dialogue from the film to intercut but you're you're telling stories using the actors interviews the director's interviews yeah and you can make them stylized you can make them punchy you can be as they can be as complicated as you want i just love doing them and uh i've done so many of those now over the last 10 years that it's just it's one of my favorite things i'm like i i get a trailer assignment or i get an assignment to do a 30 second tv spot and i'm bored yeah <laughs> i'm like oh i gotta do this again okay three acts one yeah. two three done here take a look at it have fun let me get back to my featurette <laughs> yeah i mean you look at your your website and you i think it was a beautiful day in the neighborhood that tv spot i mean it's like yeah 15 20 seconds 15 and seconds. Then yeah. And then you've got, what, a 20 minute feature on the bridge, the TV series, and it's yeah. just a completely different job, isn't it? Well, well thank you. And in fact, recently, uh, you probably saw the uh, half hour special I worked on for Fantasy Island, the new Fantasy Island. Yeah. And uh, that just won a Telly Award, actually. Oh, well so. done. There you go. <laughs> I did I did introduce you as award winning, Russell. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Fantastic. still, still, still filling up that mantle with statuettes to this day, I guess. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you quite right to be very proud of your work and obviously we're leaning into the Bond stuff, but I mean, there's loads of other films that we won't have time to. I mean, Lady Bird, Green Book, Minari, The Lighthouse. I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know whether you know that these are going to be all time classics and critically acclaimed films but you know you've been a part of those those successes which must be amazing no thank you no they were then they're all fun to work on you know it's like that's what i do it's like i'll never retire because i enjoy editing so much that's something that's i can do until i'm 80 or until i can't, or until I can't see or hear <laughs> we won't need much editing on this video uh, russell <laughs> okay. i'll let you edit this <laughs> yes i'll do it yeah 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 and then you can judge me on it later. I have, I have enough on my plate these days yeah you do <laughs> Oh, it's been fantastic, Russell. Thank you so much for giving us your time all the way from LA when you're busy editing other things. But thank you so much, and we value it. And we value your work on the Bond franchise loads. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been a pleasure meeting you, and very, very happy. And um, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very honored. Very honored and flattered. Brilliant. Thank you.
is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.